You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. On today's episode, we have Yelda Ali. Yelda is a connector, founder of Camel Assembly, and a successful DJ based in New York. I met Yelda in LA at an event she was running, and I was immediately blown away by her energy and passion to make change for women. It's important for us on this podcast to chat with different leaders in different communities who don't have a million followers on Instagram, but who are, as Yelda says, marching daily. Camel Assembly is an international collective of female leaders who unite their passions to create social change. Hope you enjoy our quick chat. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. It is Bianca here. Hey, Chantal here. And we have a really amazing guest that is way long overdue. I mean, like I'm talking like a year and a half, maybe two years overdue. Uh, Yalda, if you'd like to introduce yourself and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. So if you maybe want to tell the uh, audience like what you do and your amazing life. Uh um, you know, I would say I'm equally an artist and activist. I'm the founder of Camel Assembly, which is a global women's organization. It focuses on our whole ethos is marching daily, focusing on taking the vehemence and passion of a protest or a Twitter trend or a march and actually applying those efforts into your everyday life and into giving back to your community. So it's a big part of my life. It's what I believe in. I don't think that my art and my activism have to be separate. And um, it's been a really beautiful journey learning a lot about humanity through women over the past almost four years. Amazing. Has it been four years? Shit. In September, it'll be four years. Yeah. Oh my God. That's amazing. I know how much, that <laughs> I know what that means and how like, you know, I mean, it's amazing, but it's also really difficult. Um, mm, so fulfilling though. Amazing. Yeah, so it's cool to be a part of a conversation that, like, you know, in 2015 wasn't as potent as it is now. So, yeah, it's cool to sort of see in the waves, you know. Totally. In 2015, what was the catalyst to really get you into this? You know what? In 2015, I think the conversation was very different to what it is now. Women, I think, today in 2019 have a lot of safe spaces and circles and um, we're already understanding that collaboration is key. Four years ago, that wasn't so much the case. Women didn't really come together to make together and collaborate together on a consistent basis in spaces. And that's why it was created. It was sort of created with the, con- with the thought of like, you know, this, we could sit mimosas and have brunch, but we can also use this as a creative incubator and be hyper abundant and collaborative. Um, and so it sort of evolved over the years because as those types of spaces continue to pop up, we have been, you know, realizing that, you know, today those safe spaces need to exist, but also they need to be actionable and women want to be able to actually make and create. And um, we're sort of seeing this evolution of women that four years ago were just coming together and asking for support and who have now built businesses and are leading other girls down that journey. 
Amazing. Um, the, you know, I usually find that people who go into work like this, it comes from a place of pain sometimes. Do you feel like that's re relevant in your journey? Did you experience something in your life that made you say like, I want to do this work that was more like specific to you? You know, I actually, it's funny because I, I sort of say I got here by accident, mm -hmm. not entirely, but sort of, you know, it wasn't so much of a, a women's empowerment play as it was just a creative play. It just coincidentally was like, oh, I'm gonna, I have so many incredible women in my life. I don't really get much time to see them outside of social media. It wasn't sufficient to like my spirit. And I just wanted like a catchment point where I was like, well, you know what, if I do something once a month and even... 20 of those people show up, at least I see 20 more on site than versus on screen. And, um, and simultaneously, you know, living a life where I didn't necessarily get that safe space with women. And I didn't really find those spaces where we weren't judging each other. We weren't, you know, competing against each other. Um, and I really just genuinely wanted that space for myself. And it was beautiful to see that that wasn't just a actually woman thing it's just a human thing is that we all want these safe spaces yeah that's amazing how does your djing kind of weave into what you're doing with camel i've always been interested in that you know what like i think camel assembly made me take my djing more seriously because i just started having so many girls pulling up to the events with me it was like oh, i'm rolling up with 30 girls i'm rolling up with 40 girls and it's like all my girls you know yeah we want to make change and we want to you know be super active on the streets but also like we want to party and we want to have fun and we want to let loose and so it was like oh wow like i'm bringing communities to these events and like um it just made it more fulfilling to me and i think that i always sort of say about my djing is it is a community building vessel it's not like you know, it's not my end goal. It's just one of the passions that I'm so privileged to be able to bring to life and, you know, get paid for that I enjoy and that I can have my girls come through and enjoy with me or, you know, not just girls, but like the entire community. And so it's cool to be able to like bring people together in the daytime and bring people together in the nighttime as well. Yeah, that's really cool. And you're originally from here, right? I remember you told me that. Yeah, I'm a Canadian, baby. <laughs> How long have you been not in Canada? Well, 10 years, 10 years. But you know what? Like, I always travel as a Canadian. And I just have to say, like, I'm so grateful to have grown up in Canada. You know, it's just like from education to healthcare to how much they value family structure. It's just such a beautiful country to um, have been brought up in. And, you know, I come back every quarter, but simultaneously New York City it just has my heart so really oh yeah <laughs> you definitely have that yeah energy to be a New Yorker for sure oh New York is definitely where it all is for me right now and so I think what it what came to mind when you were speaking earlier is like how ha, I mean I mean in my perspective a lot of like the women's groups and stuff have become really like trendy um <laughs> What do you think about that? <laughs> I'm just going to keep it <laughs> Um, You know what I think is that I love for people to create these spaces if they're authentic. And um, if they're not authentic, time will tell, you know. And I think that's just sort of the approach with Campbell Assembly has been like that. It hasn't been reactive. You know, we weren't 
we were we were already sort of active before Donald Trump was president. It wasn't about a reactive movement or one to make money off of because it's a trend. And I think that you'll sort of see that in everybody's work and you'll see who stays part of the conversation and who doesn't. But you know what? Bless to everyone and their efforts that are, you know, authentic and intentionally better, you know, trying to serve humanity. Wonderful. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I was reading an interview that you did. But it's like, you know what? The last thing I want to say is also but be about that life. You know what I mean? That, that's one thing I'd say. It's like, <laughs> if you're going to preach, just a little PS. Be about that life, though. You know what I mean? Like, treat your waitress the way that you would treat somebody that you're hyped off of. You know, it's like, I just, what I find with women's empowerment is it's like, if women's empowerment means that we all have to have 50,000 followers on Instagram, that's not real. And so I think it's just like, you know, yeah, it's just authenticity and making sure that you're actually about that life with the person that serves you in the bathroom to the person that, you know, opens the door for you, like really living that abundant sister, you know, mentality all the time. You just not in just the safe spaces or at the events. 100%. That's exactly how I feel. You basically yeah. summed it up because I've noticed, <laughs> you know, you go to these events and everything's la 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 when you're there, but then like in real life, it's not reflected. Right. So that's what. Totally. Totally. It's like, yeah, but you know what? The truth is it's because people don't feel safe and that's why we preach so much about safety. It's like being able to give people safety is so important, but also like understanding, like we can all lead safety and we can all lead it for one another with such simple, simple action. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where did yeah. you, where did Are you from like a family of women or like, what's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from a family of activists, you know, that's, that's for sure. And I think that, you know, growing up, um, in a family of refugees, you just don't have the privilege to dream about maybe things that, like for me, artistry and these things came later in my life. They came, you know, after the age of 27 because they weren't things that I was privileged to be able to like dream about. It was very much like, oh, this world is fucked up and we're going to have to just make this world better. Like that's really the only experience I had with life. Um, and so it was really just like, how I always view the world and um, on, on a spiritual level, to be honest, like I do believe it's my purpose is to serve, you know, and I'm, you know, grateful to be a, a servant and the rest is like really cool because I have been able to implement my artistry and my creativity and that's all just a blessing. I uh, read in um, an interview that you did, I can't remember the publication, but you um, said something that was really significant to me um, in the work that I do around money. And you mentioned, I think they asked you the question, like, how do you find happiness? And you, your reply was, I don't really focus on happiness. And you said something about shifting from happiness to joy and like tuning into those like moments of beauty and getting off the hedonic treadmill. And so interesting you say that because I talk about the hedonic treadmill so much in my work and like how in this world that we live in we need to reclaim like that hedonic aspect of our lives because it's been taken away from us in the form of like oh you feel pain like let's let's give you pleasure in the form of like this method or this method or this method versus like of, uh, instead of like feeling it and yeah. reclaiming like hedonism like 
I'm in charge of creating my joy and I can do it through these moments of beauty that I define that might be maybe a spiritual practice or community or something that is like abundant versus that like buy, use, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought like that answer that you gave was just so profound. Mm, Thank you. You know, I do think it's really dangerous. The society we live in right now is filled with a lot of like, numbing and powerlessness and um that intersection of that meets social media it's really hard to not always be chasing like the next reel on the highlight and um I personally I aspire to be a steady person not a happy person you know I would like to be able to take the good just the way I take the bad um, because it's endless and it's inevitable and it's constant. And the older I sort of got, <laughs> I realized, oh, I thought life would be like, oh, I've dealt with some traumas and then I will continue to heal and become strong. But really it's like, no, life will continue hitting you with trauma. It, it's endless. It does not stop. Shit does not stop hitting the fan. And, you know, the dream is really to be able to be steady through that as steady as you are, you know, and I'll share with you uh, a story from my childhood. It's like a man who, he gets a phone call. He has a beautiful boat and he gets a call saying like the storm came, your boat is gone. And he gets off the phone and he's like, all right, that's cool. And you know, he's not affected by it. He gets a call back 10 minutes later and they say, no, that wasn't your boat, never mind." And he's still unaffected by it. And I feel like that is really the goal is like to be able to have that type of healthy detachment. And you know, um, that in itself brings joy. Yeah, the the equanimity, which is talked about so much in like many spiritual experiences, is like that neutral mind that that you're saying, even in the good situations. Totally, yeah, hundred percent. Right. For me, I can I can share this just like through my meditation and working on my shit the last couple of years. We've talked a lot a lot about this. Being in that neutral space almost feels so weird because you're so. I was so used to being chaotic or being high and then Mm. being low and you know up and down and Mm -hmm. extreme. Yeah, but it's just been so like beautiful to be in that neutral space because then you also attract more of that, right? Nothing is ever too kind of crazy or too sad or too anything. Um, Oh, and. You know, when I was younger, I used to pride myself on being like zero to a hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That life, you know, super extreme. And then you realize like, oh, that's actually easy to be zero or 100. But to be in sort of that middle balance space is really, really difficult. Wow. How, can I just ask you something? (laughs) (laughs) Have you been able to practice this in relationships with... Oh, good question. Like in a, like a love romantic relationship? Yeah, you know, I think it's a muscle. So it's not like I practiced it once and not another time. I think that you continue practicing it and getting better at it. And I think I'm doing the best at it currently that I could be doing. Um, but it is a muscle. It's just like working your ass out, you know. You've got to keep doing it to get good at it. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's so good to yeah. like acknowledge the process, the journey. Mm. Yeah. Well, you get so stuck yeah. wanting to have because you know that it exists now, right? You know that that place exists, but in certain areas of your life, it, it's just not happening. So to know that it is a muscle that you're still practicing and going through that shit in order to 
mm-hmm. the muscle and make the butt bigger or whatever it is, right? <laughs> it's, it takes time. Totally. And if you stop practicing it, it will not grow. <laughs> <laughs> That's what all the Instagram fitness models have been trying to teach us all along. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have, do you have like a daily practice that you, that you do? Um, that's just something like a ritual or something. Cause I love to share those with people, um, on the podcast. I feel like so. You know, many- I do always make sure I get time for myself. Like I usually get my mornings alone and I have my own little routine, smoothie, like stretch, exercise, listen to music, sit in silence, meditate, call my mom um, that it's not just one part of that that's important to me. It's like that entire routine is important to me. So it's like, I usually have the first few hours of my day to myself and give myself that. If I have to wake up and like run to a meeting and I don't get that, I definitely feel less space. So I think it's less about like what the exercise or practices and more about really making sure you do find the stillness, however you do it. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I love that. I have a whole routine now that I do in the morning. And I'm like, even if like, like today I didn't get to meditate. I did some other things, but even like it just my whole day. It's so interesting. I'm like, as, when I was younger, I'm like, are you kidding me? My, my routine was like, how do I get over this hangover? <laughs> right. Right. It's just so interesting. Well, they, they call it adulting, don't they? Yeah. yeah. That's, what they, that's what they say on Bumble or something. I don't know. <laughs> So, um, what do you have coming up? Like, what do you see for the future? I mean, to, can I be honest with you? You're a newsletter. Tell me. The one that I haven't unsubscribed from. Oh, yeah. my God. That means so much. There's incredible women behind that newsletter that bring it to life every week and all over the world. It's genuinely, like, the newsletter and the Spotify, I can't even take credit for it. And I'm like, this is the best. I love these. They're, they're just brought to life by different women all over the world that love to share stories and make art and just so much of the essence of what Camel Assembly is. Yeah, it's so important. And it's like, it always comes at the right time, you know? Like, I was like... Uh, Hump day. (laughs) So what do you see for the future of what you guys are doing? Or is there anything you guys can share with us that you can share with us? Yeah, well, you know, I think that we've done a really good job at making sure that our communities are diverse and authentic and creative. And I think at this point, we really just want to be more intentional at sitting at the intersection of art and activism. And we sort of steered away from that for so long because we were like, well, we have like BBC journalists and accountants and lawyers and all types of people. But in these years, what we've seen is that when you give women the safe space they want to make, right, we are, we are creators. And so I think I'd rather be loose about the word artist and activist. And if anything, I think the activism space is the one that needs to be saturated. You know, it's no different than people being like, oh, everyone's a DJ. And it's like, yeah, cool, because they made it really easy to DJ. We want to make it really easy for people to be an activist or an artist. That's really the goal is like we want to saturate art and activism. We want to make every woman feel like they have the space to be able to make and make change and so that's the focus right now. Wow, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Yeah. And it's really exciting. It's really exciting. And it's very, 
natural to be able to follow the lead of women all over the world and hear so many of the same messages and realize that we seldom focus on our similarities and we focus so much on our differences, but really we are so much more similar than different. And it's a great perspective to keep. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I know for me, just in like the work that we've been doing, um, it's just been the most fulfilling thing. Hard as fuck, <laughs> but like the most fulfilling thing in my life. Even at times, Absolutely. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm so exhausted. And someone will send me a message and be like, thank you for putting this podcast out or thank you for whatever. And it just keeps you going. Right. Cause you realize that it's not, it's really not about you, which I yeah. think is. So well, we are so blessed to be able to cultivate meaningful work. So we got to keep showing up. Yes, for exactly. sure. For sure. Thank you so much for talking to us. Yeah. Thank you. That was- thank you guys for your time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for shining light. Thanks for listening. So as a money coach, I always talk about the exchange of energy. You guys just listen to this dope episode for free. So don't be cheap. Make a deposit into your karma bank account and review and subscribe to this podcast.